Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you. Welcome home. Hey guys, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. And producer Stitches is here. So I guess that means it must be time for Genre Junkies. It is. She looks very serious, Producer Stitches, today. This is a very serious week. She I, Apparently. <laughs> like, she just looks very stoic and like, you know, I don't know, just like this little serious set to her tiny cat face. Dor- adorable little torty face that she has. <laughs> Shout out to all the torty listeners out there, all the cat listeners in general. But uh, we have a soft spot in our heart for torty cats, tortoiseshell cats. And you, and people who love torties are a special breed. And if you love torties and books, you are in the right place. <laughs> um, if you don't get out, <laughs> you're not welcome here. Uh, also, if you have snakes, snails, lizards, and fish. You're good. <laughs> dogs are fine too. We do want a dog. We want everything. Yeah. In fact, we I, I want a particular kind of dog, which um, there will be a little spoiler to that sort of dog that I want in the interview that we have coming up in oh the middle my- of this episode. Well, that's exciting. Who are we interviewing? We are interviewing the author of tonight's book, S.A. Barnes. Yay. So tonight we are talking about Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. Uh, this is a science fiction horror book. It's a horror science fiction book. It's a both of those things book. <laughs> <laughs> Which one you put first might depend on who you are. Yeah, and who you ask. Um, so this is really exciting. And we did get permission to call S.A. Barnes <laughs> by uh, the name Stacy, which um, she's she's down with that. She writes also, maybe you've read her in different genres under the name Stacy Cade. So if you know Stacy Cade or you know S.A. Barnes, that is the same person. It is not a state secret. <laughs> we, we found out. <laughs> which is... Um, cool because it's uh yeah i mean sometimes it is yeah sometimes it's you know uh, i think that's getting harder and harder in the internet era to to really pull that off i know people do but it's i think it's getting harder and harder you can't always pull off a chris gaines (laughs) chris gaines the real ones know the real ones know so before we talk about this book dead silence we saw scream we did we saw the new scream movie um i I'm a Scream super fan. It's one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite franchises. Ever since I was 10 years old, um, it's filmed in my hometown, my home county, the county we live in. Um, and it has a deep place in a lot of people's hearts and a lot of horror fans' hearts, and I'm totally one of them. Uh, I loved it very much. I was very happy. I'll say this. If you love Scream, you will love Scream. Um, and you love <laughs> Scream, Scream 8. I don't know. Scream 5. Scream 5? Is it it only 5? Yeah. Well, regardless, um, that's the best compliment, honestly, I can give it. You liked it, though. I liked it a lot. Because you like Scream a lot. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't... um, it doesn't go a crazy direction to totally reinvent the franchise. It is for the fans. Yeah. And it's really, really fun. Let's hear it for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, really good, and try to see it before um, it gets spoiled for you. Because I mean, there's such a whodunit kind of fun 
aspect to the screen movies. Yeah. That I, you know, I don't want that to get spoiled for anybody. Um, Okay, so as Scott said, we actually have an interview with this author, and the interview is spoiler-free. We have a couple little spoiler thingies that Scott's going to hide in the spoiler section, but for the most part, it's a a spoiler-free interview. And that's going to be in the middle between the two sections. So if you are not familiar with Dead Silence, let me tell you about it. First of all, Almakatsu, Kendara Blake, Sarah Pinkster. It's all of our friends. Rachel Vinson, <laughs> T. Kingfisher. Everybody's blurbing this book. Everybody's blurbing this book, which is um, just such a nice compliment. Claire Kovalik is days away from being unemployed, made obsolete, when her beacon repair crew picks up a strange distress signal. With nothing to lose and no desire to return to Earth, Claire and her team decide to investigate. What they find at the other end of the signal is shocking. The Aurora, a famous luxury space liner that vanished on its maiden tour of the solar system more than 20 years ago. A salvage claim like this could set Claire and her crew up for life, but a quick trip through the Aurora reveals something isn't right. Whispers in the dark, flickers of movement, words scrawled in blood. Claire must fight to hold on to her sanity and find out what really happened on the Aurora before she and her crew meet the same ghastly fate. What was Claire going to be? Obsolete. Obsolete. <laughs> it's a Twilight Zone <laughs> reference. Um. Okay. Uh, Your experience? Oh, I mean, right off the bat, my experience is obsession. I, I effing love this book. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it, <laughs> it as well. It's so, yeah. it's scary. Uh, it's fun in the sci-fi realm. Like, it really scratched an itch. Um, with with that kind of like, um. I really like the title of it because the silence of space yeah. is already terrifying. Um, and, and it really encapsulates the feeling of this book. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I, yeah. I love the world too. There, yeah, it's there, our world. It's just a little in the future. It's a little in the future. And it's, it's you know, it's kind of depressing in ways where it's yeah. similar, but I, I want to know more people's experience in this world too i really really like it yeah there's definitely like you know we've kind of kind of hacked up the planet a little so people are kind of looking to get out (laughs) i think is you know kind of implied in there oh and capitalism has won yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i'm absolutely obsessed with this book too i've i've already been recommending it to people um and i will continue to do so including right right here Gosh darn it. I almost said gosh damn it. <laughs> what's the what's the use? Um, <laughs> so uh it's 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 got this really fun horror stuff to it. And I don't want to spoil the scary parts, but it's actually creepy. Like, you know, I read a lot um at night in the dark after <laughs> you've fallen asleep. And um it was a little like I'd be like, what's that? Did I hear something? Well, what, did I see something? Like it's a little yeah. creepy to read it in the dark. It's not a horror movie. It, it's not a horror story like it's not a horror sci-fi like uh, Alien, where it is very where Alien is very much a product of the science fiction universe that it's set in. It's yeah. scary in that setting. This is a science fiction setting, but it's scary in primal ways that um 
that 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 uh, that affects you just like on a day to day basis. Right. It doesn't rely on the science fiction setting for its scares. Um, it's not. I mean, Alien is scary because it's an alien uh, breeding inside of you and hunting you down in a ship. That's a bummer. Uh, this is more of a of a haunted house story. Yeah. Set in space. That's it exactly. What was your experience? Obsession. Oh, it was Obsession as yeah, well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I said that. Okay. I said okay. that. Um, I knew you would love the element of this book that is the ship and the crew um, because that's like, that's stuff I like in sci-fi too, but I know we haven't read a book like that in a little bit. And that you really become attached to this crew. You become attached to, to the ship. And... Um, the ship is in a little bit of a way its own character, which I think is important in a good science fiction story. Are you talking about the Aurora? Uh, I'm so, actually talking about the Lina. The airship. okay. Oh, uh, I mean the Aurora is definitely a character, <laughs> but um, you know, I might it might just be the part of me that uh, you know, wants to put a, a human human spirit into everything. Same. But uh I, it, ships are always a character for me. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we both loved about this book, and we tried really hard to not talk about it, but we we had to a little bit because we were you know going to interview the author, so that always is something we have to do because we like to surprise each other. But um, the people in this book are grown ups. <laughs> yes, they're adults. They're adults, like grown ass adults. Yeah, like I I mean I get the impression that not everybody in the crew is the exact same age. We have a range of maybe twenties to people in their thirties or maybe even early forties. Mm -hmm. But it just felt like yes, these are grown up people, and they're dealing with um some really grown up fears and some really grown up situations, and. Like, you know, facing unemployment, like facing, okay, I'm, we're basically getting laid off. What, what are, what are you going to, what are you going to do? And it just felt very like, um, relatable <laughs> as someone who's been laid off twice in their life. The feeling, the, the feeling of being obsolete, I'll say I did not have that, uh, that fear until, uh, you know, being a little bit older. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't a 22-year-old feeling like, well, I'm just not useful anymore. <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird feeling to have, and it's a scary feeling to have to feel like your livelihood needs to be shaken up, and and there's so much tied into, to, into that, and, you know, kind of some of the, pro like, one of the crew members, like, has a kid, and so he doesn't get to see her very much because of his job and stuff. I don't know, it's just stuff that it's like, yeah. Yeah, like this is like real life. And then there's, of course, some moral dilemmas in this book. And I love moral dilemmas. I love moral dilemmas. And again, it's scary. And I really, really loved Claire, our, our lead. I, I really liked Claire as well. Like, what a great uh, central character. She has... Um, she is so fully realized uh, all and and you know and I mean like piles of flaws and insecurities yeah. but is so strong and powerful at the same time. Right. Um and this book does things uh that are really inventive with the character that I'm really excited if you haven't read it yet for you to experience. Yeah, me too. Um and I really enjoyed all of the characters we met. Kane is a great character too. Um even Voler. I mean everybody has a coworker that they can't f 
can stand, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually am lucky I, I don't have that currently in my life, but I've been there. I've worked with Volers. Yeah, I've worked with Volers too. I've known some Volers. Um, and then there's this really interesting aspect of the Aurora, you know, this kind of luxury liner in space. And that feels um, very real. That feels very real, you know, that like the kind of like the rich, the elite, the influencers are the ones going on this kind of maiden voyage. And, you know, we're getting very close to that in our world right now of luxury space travel. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) There's this meme going around. I'm sure maybe you guys have seen it. I don't know who made it. God bless them. But it's like this article like that says, you know, first plans, you know, for a space hotel, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like the caption is, we just want universal care. <laughs> it's like, that's great. That, and I feel the same way because even though I love science, I love invention and ingenuity and progress. I love that stuff. But at the same time, it's like, okay. But but maybe healthcare. Yeah, but maybe 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 terrestrial issues first. Yes. Now that does not count the James Webb. Which, did we talk about the James Webb? We haven't talked about the James Webb. Oh my gosh, we are obsessed but in I, this household. Yeah. We've been waiting for this for quite some time. So the James Webb Telescope is the sequel to the <laughs> to the Hubble. Uh, the Hubble was great. Hubble harder. James Webb Hubble harder. <laughs> Hubble, you did great. Congrats. Um, We'll take it from here. (laughs) And it's going to do really, really cool things. Uh, We got up the ass crack of dawn to to watch the launch. We've been up earlier for author interviews. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. (laughs) But to watch it, and it was so exciting, and we check in on its progress. It's, It's doing really great. Knock on wood, it's, you know... It's it's doing its job, and it has some really big <laughs> goals that it's going to accomplish. Um, hopefully, answer a lot of questions, and then, of course, with a lot of cool science things, that means it's going to pose even more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically going to look at the beginning of time. <laughs> no big de- like, hi, no big deal. I'm just going to like see that. I'm just going to see see the beginning. No big deal. Yeah, it's fine. MBD. Are we alone out here? Maybe I'll tell you. <laughs> So cute. Um, so yeah, so I don't know, just kind of like really feeling like space vibes right now in my life. So this was like, I don't know, just went hand in hand with that. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. I just hope that our space future is a little bit more optimistic than this one. <laughs> I, I could do with that. So appeal. I've been thinking about this for a while. And um, I, I am, I'm giving this a mass appeal. Ooh. I, I I really bold. I, I I rarely give mass appeal for books. It it, it like you know it it, <laughs> it has to be something special to get it for me. But yeah. but here's the thing, um, science fiction. There's a I mean anybody can really get into to, to parts of science fiction. I mean some of the most popular uh, movies and books of all time are science fiction. True. Um, horror. This is incredibly terrifying in ways that i think like serious serious horror fans like yourself will absolutely adore even if they don't normally like science fiction like it's there for them and then on on top of all of that the character work is so good the story is so 
interesting and mm-hmm. engrossing that I I wouldn't hesitate recommending this to any reader at all. Yeah, I think that's a really um a really good point. There's not anybody that I would say maybe not for you. I mean, here's the thing is if you get scared easily, then probably not for you because like I said, there was even like a little bit of it that that made me feel a little creepy, which is wonderful. I love when things can make me feel a little creeped. Um, obviously, that's why I'm a horror fan. But um, so, I mean, I guess there's that. So I'm going to fall more into a general. But um, I mean, if you want to feel a little creeped out or if you like science fiction, if you like um, awesome female characters, if you like, you know, kind of the things we've been talking about, you know, kind of where we're going in the future. If any of that sounds interesting to you, you're really going to like this book. There's, like I said, if maybe, and you know what, maybe if you don't like being scared, but you kind of want to read it, you read it in the daytime. Um <laughs> Which is good, right? That's good. You should want to be scared with this premise. It's a haunted house in space. All right. Well, I think we should talk to S.A. Barnes. What do you think? I am so excited for everyone to meet her. And um, I'm very excited. Thank you, S.A. Barnes, for joining us. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. And we'll see you on the other side for spoilers. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget... Subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. All right, as promised, the author of Dead Silence, S.A. Barnes. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us Genre Junkies out here in California. And you're in the the middle of the country. Yes, it's very... Actually, it's a little warmer here today. We might have cracked the uh, upper 20s. So... You know. <laughs> oh my goodness. A little brisk. That's a little brisk. A little brisk for us. Yes, yes. I'm a I'm a little jealous. I love California. So um anytime you guys want to trade, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well you can come visit us anytime. We've got a nice <laughs> big um huge sectional couch here in the uh, studio. It sleeps three and we're not kidding. Yeah. Three full size <laughs> adults. A- that's a big couch. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like a ship. It's kind of like our little spaceship. Love it. I love it. <laughs> so we wanted to ask you, like the first question that came to mind when we were reading this book, did you start this as a horror story or did you start this as a sci-fi story? That is a great question. Um, I did not know that I had written anything that could be qualified as horror. I had written it as a sci-fi thriller. So when I wrote it and well, so it was funny because I was working with my agent and I was like, you know, please read these 80 pages because we're trying to figure out what to do. And obviously I'd been in YA before. So this is a big shift for me, relatively speaking. And I was like, it's adult. I have this 80 pages and I really love this idea. And will you read it? She's like, of course. So she read it and she's like, okay, well, it scared me. And you need to write the rest. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's it scared you. Okay. I mean, I expected it to make it like suspenseful, but I didn't think it was. So then from then on, I was really, I like leaned into that and was like, okay, I want this to be sort of scary, but I want it to be scary in the things like that I find frightening. Mm-hmm. So I just focused on that part of it. So I definitely really did not think that it was going to be horror until 
um, it came time to submit it. And, um, we, you know, we're talking about night fire and she's like, I really want to, I want to send it to night fire. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's do it. Ooh. So you're like an accidental horror author. <laughs> I am. And it, you know, it does make sense because my parents love to tell this story. Um, when I was young, we lived in a very small town and I had read my way through the children's library and had to get permission to go to the adult section. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did, of course, I'm checking things out like Stephen King and Dean Koontz and, you know, all this stuff. And my parents were like, okay, you can do it, but don't wake us up. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I have, I have been an avid horror reader. I've just never written anything like that before. Oh my God. That's really, really cool. I kind of a similar thing myself where my parents are like, okay, you like this horror stuff, but as long as, you know, you can handle it, you know, you yeah. can go into the grown up section of the library. Yep. 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 Exactly. Because, I mean, you know, I was, I wanted to read. I wanted to read. Like, give me a book and leave me in a corner is pretty much my childhood. And <laughs> like, that's the way I wanted it. And when you're out of books, you know, and it's like, well, there's this whole other section of the library that's like, you know, calling to you. Yes. But I mean, it was, it was the eighties and it was a small town. So I had to have permission to do that. And yeah, but they were, they're cool. They've always been very open about letting us read whatever we want. And then, you know, if we had concerns or questions, we could talk to them about it, but there was no waking them up in the middle of the night. So. <laughs> I think that's a fair rule. Yeah. But Scott and I both grew up similar ways, just readers from family of readers. It's, mm -hmm. um, I always say our religion is bibliophile. <laughs> I can see that. Yes, yes, I can see that for sure. So was there a book that you picked up as a kid that did make you wake them up? Uh, no, but I will say that I took a break after reading Pet Cemetery because... <laughs> Uh, my, so this is weird. I, I'm trying to remember. I think Gage in that story is like what, two or three. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I have a sibling who's much, much younger. Um, I was 13 when she was, well, she, I was 12, almost 13 when she was born. So at some point I must've picked that up as I was working my way through Stephen King. And mm -hmm. she was close enough to the age of that, that it like just, it, I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> Got to put a pause on this one and come back to it later. And <laughs> and I so I, I I would sleep with the lights on. I won't lie about that. Um, so that was that was the my only concession to it is I, I stopped reading that one for a while and I put I would sleep with the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So speaking of libraries, part of your day job is um, recommending books to young people and talking to them about books. And as uh, lifelong readers, like we all are, that must be incredibly satisfying. It is, it is so much fun. Uh, that is the best part of, I, I, I love my job and I, I just love seeing, you know, giving it, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I don't like, that's okay. That's a great thing about a library. You check it out. You don't like it. You bring it back. It does not cost you anything. <laughs> you mm -hmm. get to try another one for free. Um, but the best part is when they come in, they're like, I need the next one. Like I just had someone come in on Friday and I had given her uh, daughter of smoke and bone by, uh, Lainey Taylor. Yeah. Uh, and Wednesday and she was already back on Friday for the second one. And those are not small books. No, they're not. So, <laughs> so she came back for it. So like that to me is like the best thing when you have like hooked someone, especially if you've got somebody who's really a reluctant reader and they come back and they go, yeah, you know, that was okay. I read it. And, and at this age, you know, especially if they're a reluctant reader, the fact that they read it is huge, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love that. Uh, and it, it's a fun way to exercise that you know, that skill of, okay, I can think of something like this. What was the title? What was the author? Where's it set? Where's it located? 
it's like a big giant game of memory, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> no, that's that's wonderful. That's um, a big part of our philosophy behind reading and reviewing books is getting them in the right people's hands. And yes. and it doesn't matter what you read. We're like, if you like romance, you like romance. You like smut, read smut. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It does not matter. And I, I, uh, one of the things that's really cool about uh, the high school where I work is they have a very forward thinking approach to this. So they are not. Uh, a few years ago, I think they converted from the you know all the juniors must read to kill a mockingbird. Um, now, now we're into they do daily reading for ten minutes at the front of their English class, and you can read whatever you want. Oh, that's so we cool. have. Yeah. So we have, I mean, last week was the first week, the beginning of the semester and we had over a thousand checkouts because kids were coming up to get their books to read for, you know, that week or whatever. So it's a really, it's a very, uh, quick moving high circulation. And, but that's great because that means you're handing out so many more books and talking to kids about books and getting their recommendations. You know, this was a really cool book. You should try this Miss K. It's like, okay, well, that's my, my real name. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, that's, that's just awesome. I think, I think also just being able to talk books as a book person is like, how can, is there any better way to spend your day? I don't think there is. <laughs> Agre- agreed. Agreed. You should start a book podcast. Then you just be books all the time. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I would love to, my sister is an editor. She worked for Hachette, um, in the orbit and red hook divisions. And now she is an editor on her own. She has her own shop and we've talked about that. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could find enough we, I don't know. We've, we've talked about it. It would be fun, but that's, yeah. <laughs> Plus we know nothing obviously of the technical portion of it, as you know, from the beginning of this, that <laughs> we'd be like talking and someone's like, Did, that was just dead air. Did you know that? <laughs> that's the magic of editing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you know how to do that, <laughs> which I, neither of us do. So, <laughs> so uh, talking about dead silence specifically, there's a lot of very unique ideas and a lot of things that Sandra and I kind of have theories as far as where they came from. What was your inspiration for this story? So there are a couple a couple things behind this. Obviously, Event Horizon is yes. one of my favorite movies. So that one people pick up on right away. Um, but my, my main impetus behind this was I have always been interested in the Titanic the sinking of the Titanic, the finding of the Titanic, the archive, the um, the artifacts that they found and brought up from the bottom of the ocean, what they're going to do with it because it technically is a mass grave, but also it's a part of history and it'll be lost forever if we leave it. Um, and so a lot of that kind of went into this. Uh, when I was formulating this idea back in, I don't know, 2016, 15, something like that, uh, I was in Las Vegas for a conference and they had, it was like the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic and they had a special exhibit um, of all these artifacts that had never been seen before. And they were so personal, wow. you know, they were socks and toothbrushes and, you know, razors and combs. And it was just, it was like, wow, the last time they touched that, you know what I mean? It came yeah. from the bottom of the, it was just very powerful. So some of that went into there, but I mean, there, there's a lot of influences. The other thing that I really wanted to do, which I struggled with in the beginning. And, um, I think even some of my, my fellow writers who were like very sympathetic and trying to help me, they're like, why are you doing it this way? I'm like, because it has to be done this way. Um, is the past and the present at the same time, uh, because it's a split timeline. And that to me is one of my favorite parts of aliens. The second movie Ah. is, is the part where Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley is standing there going, why aren't you believing me? Listen to me. I'm telling you. And they don't, they don't care because there's money involved. And also I think probably because hysterical woman, you know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of that. 
And so I really, I, that is one of my favorite parts of that movie because she's the one that, you know, pulls them from the fire yep. sort of literally. And I, 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 I liked that. I wanted that, that part of, I wanted that part of the story to be there. So there's influences all over the place, um, for sure. And then some stuff that I just, you know, really wanted to do because, uh, if I could go explore the Titanic without being terrified, I probably would. <laughs> so <laughs> James Cameron, get, get me on the phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, <laughs> fair enough. So you mentioned a couple of really great movies because I was going to ask you, Ala Ghostface, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, gosh. Well, so, you know, I love scary movies, but I'm also a big chicken, which I realize is kind of a contradiction. Uh, so there are movies that I will not watch. And my sister and I just had this discussion. We, Our father is a Lutheran pastor. So we grew up in, in the church, like basically living at the church. So anything religiously scary, like the exorcist Ooh. or the omen or any of that stuff were like, nope, hard, nope, hard, <laughs> nope, 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 can't nope. do it. And I think it's because the elements around it are things we're familiar with. So it feels more real mm. versus, you you know, a haunted house and ghosts. Uh, oh, okay. All right. I can, I can roll with that. That's probably my favorite. Um, I love in terms of this, in terms of specifically this book, ghost ship is my favorite. Story. Oh, Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> uh, that opening. Woo. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. With the wire. I mean, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. That's like, <laughs> that's some great trauma for the rest of your life once you watch right? that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love your recommendations. Those are great. You and I have very similar... Um, issues with horror films i just want to say trauma. yeah um slightly off topic but have you seen midnight mass i have and i really enjoyed it oh um, i really did i i was really skeptical going in um and and, and kind of was like giving myself an out like i will try one episode then i'll bail well i'll try another episode then i'll you know like i wanted to get to a point where oh. i was like right at the edge and it actually made me cry oh um, yeah I, I thought it was really wonderfully done. And of course, and I cannot think of the actor's real name, but the kid that played Matt Saracen in Friday Night Lights, <laughs> yes, he yeah. did such a good job. I mean, I was just, I was in tears by the end of that. And I thought, you know, it's something I thought about a lot because again, growing up in, in the church with a pastor um, as a father and, you know, the idea of how we define sanity and reality. And, you know, we're okay with people if they say that they feel like they have a guardian angel on their shoulder, but we're not okay if they say they hear voice, you know, like right. where, where is that line and why do we bend it uh, allowing for certain things and not other things. And, you know, in terms of the supernatural, paranormal, yes. religious, like where, how all those intersect. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And that's, I mean, that obviously comes up in this novel too. There's some of that. I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but, you know, there's kind of like what's real, what's not real, what's reality, yeah. what's, you know, especially when you're set out in space, which is like, you know, it's almost like space or under the water where you get like the bends, you know? Yes. Like yeah, that idea I, scares me. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, wholeheartedly, I, I think it's something that I'm fascinated with because I, even though I'm, I, I love like obviously monsters and, you know, things that chase you and obviously like the whole demon thing terrifies me. But I, I think also the scariest thing is not knowing if you can trust your own perceptions, if you, mm. if, if reality is really what you're dealing with or if you're seeing something different, you know what I mean? Like right. I, I just, I find that absolutely fascinating um, because it's reality is a mutually agreed upon decision basically. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And it is actually, oh, that's so true. I'm going to get that as a tattoo. Hope you don't mind. 
<laughs> please, please feel free. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is uh, what a lot of people uh, blurb about on the, the back of the book. A lot of people, we love blurb this book too, which is so, must be so cool. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. <laughs> it's a haunted house story set in space is like what Alma Katsu said. So uh-huh. do you do you have any ghost stories you can share with us from your from your life? That's so funny. I I have only one ghost story that has happened to me when I've told this story before my mom it has another one. She's like, why didn't you mention this? I'm like, because I was too little and all I know is you guys telling me about it. <laughs> um, but the one that happened to me was uh, I was at my house, not this one. Um, it was one actually just down the street because we moved within the same neighborhood. And it has um, like a, a chandelier is going to sound fancier than what it is, but it's a big light fixture that hangs over the staircase, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a light switch at the top and a light switch at the bottom. So you could turn it on depending on which direction you were coming from. And my husband was gone and I was there with the dogs by myself. And I had been in the bedroom, which is kind of tucked it away in a corner. And it had the light on there when I was reading, but that was the only light on in the house. So when I came out, I went from the light into the dark. And I knew there was some stuff like in the hallway that I needed to put away and hadn't gotten to. And I thought to myself, like, I might, I think I even said it out loud. I should have turned on the light and then the light went on. <gasps> and I kind of like, I still remember that feeling because uh, I was like six feet away from the light switch. It was not like, oh, I bumped it or something. No, I was way far away from it. And I stopped and I remember yelling for my husband, but like in this really quavery voice, you know how you always think like if a serial killer breaks in, I'm going to scream, I'm going to fight. No, I'm going to be the wimp, like standing there frozen in terror, her voice lost. Um, so I'm at the top of the stairs and I, I'm like, Greg, <laughs> are you, are you here? Cause I thought like maybe he came in and like flipped the light on from the bottom, but he was not there. I was still in the house by myself. And then I'm like, well, maybe the switch was like halfway and like the vibrations of my steps, you know, like flipped it. Sure. No, I tried it. I tried. I jumped up and down with the light and it didn't move. (laughs) Tried to debunk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, that's my one and only ghost story. The one my mom likes to tell is what apparently when I was very little, um, in a house in Rockford where we lived, um, they had bought a house and apparently the older, it was older people who had lived there and had passed away and they would leave the house and then they would come back and the thermostat would be cranked up like really high. And they, they, my mom, when she was asking that, she's like, you don't remember this? I'm like, not really. And she's like, good. We thought we were psychologically scarring you because we really thought you were doing it. (laughs) We're we're lying about it. And I was like, no. And she's like, then we realized you couldn't reach it unless you dragged a chair over. No. And so, and, and so then they're like, so then we thought, well, maybe, you know, the older couple was still hanging around and wanted the the heat up higher. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, I would be so mad because I hate when the heater's on. So I'd be like, "Y'all need to stop this, or I'm gonna get exercise." <laughs> she started bringing well, out the holy water. She said, "She said it's funny." She's like, "Well, eventually it just stopped happening." And she said, "We figured they finally realized that you know we were okay and we could stay, and they moved oh, on." So, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I like your ghost. That's actually very helpful that it turned on the light for you. It, it was. It was. So there's another sort of wild part to this. So I was telling somebody, you know, I have written books about ghosts before as a YA author. So I have got some friends who have, you know, and this one woman who is a reader also considers herself to be a medium. And she wrote me and just said, you know, I wanted to let you know, because I talked about the story on social media or something. And she's like, I just wanted to let you know, you know, that happens a lot. And they love like electrical systems. So it's not surprising that you would experience that because they love messing with electrical stuff. I was like, okay, 
I also have this vision of the ghost in your house trying to be like so sneaky. And then you said that and they're like, oh, I'll get it. And then they're like, oh, shit, I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> busted, busted. I'm not supposed to be hearing her. I'm not supposed to be here. Yes. It was really, it was actually very, it was, it was very, it was very thoughtful. And I appreciate it because it kept me from bumping into things on my way down but it was a little terrifying so <laughs> i love it i love it i mean it was scary uh you know i'll say the some of the events in dead silence um a little more disturbing but you know yeah. i respect <laughs> your, i respect your ghost story yeah i you know what's funny is i had the worst nightmares when i was writing that book i really did oh. and but not anything about anything in the book i was always being chased by something um zombie like and which is very bizarre because Sorry, no zombies. Um, no zombies. No, there are no zombies. So it was just really, it was really weird. But the thing, um, and I will be careful here because I don't want to, but the, the scene that everyone talks about usually, um, I think is a thing that we all are afraid of. Like that's a childhood fear. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, we know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was like, yeah. And that is one of my worst things. I'm one of those people who's like, nope, I, I got it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Can't sleep like that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> So uh, with you reading so much as a child and you being a writer now, I'm sure you wrote, uh, I'm sure you wrote things as a kid. What's the first story you remember writing? Oh gosh. Okay. So the first thing I remember writing um, is, this is, this is, a, this is way back because I read, like I told you everything. So sometimes I read old stuff. Uh, there was a series called Trixie Belden, um, which was written in like the sixties oh, yeah. and yeah. So I like, again, I went, probably went through all the Nancy Drews and then was like, someone's like, here, try these. And you know, they're old and crumbly, but I read them. And for whatever reason that spoke to me and I wrote a Trixie Belden fanfic. I mean, that's not what I called it, yeah, but that's what that basically was. And yeah, that's the first thing I wrote. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, but it was sort of like, that was kind of, you get, it, it really is like a bug. You start it and you're like, Oh, this is kind of fun. This is like reading, but more. So yeah. <laughs> let me do more of this. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of taking something you love and like ex- expanding upon it. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a blast. So I have some science fiction specific questions about sure. the book. because so Scott's the sci-fi <laughs> nut. I'm okay. obsessed with horror. And then we overlap because we both like thrillers and crime and fantasy. Okay. So, okay. yeah. So, so you kind of wrote this for house. both of us, yes. in other words. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I, I hit you right in the middle of the Venn diagram. Very I like thoughtful it. of you. Very thoughtful. Uh, but there's a few things that I specifically want to know where you got the idea from. One of okay. is is the gravity alert. when oh. the, the warning that the gravity is going to turn on. I, I've never seen that before, and it was brilliant to me. I'm just curious where you got that idea. Uh, I need. I needed to. Um, that was practicality, uh, really. Like I was sitting there in that situation, going, "I, I, I I'm, things are going to happen. Like if he manages to do this, we're going to have a big problem because I don't want <laughs> all these things to suddenly hit the floor." And, um, I, you know, it seemed to me that if you were ever in that situation, you would not want, like, I mean, I guess it is kind of a sci-fi trope that like, oh no, the gravity kicked on and we all fall over. Um, (laughs) but to me, it seems logical that if you were intending to be in space for a long time and it had shut off or was off, that there would be a warning that, Hey, we're going to, we're going to kick this back on, you know? Mm -hmm. So working through the logic of that situation is where it came from. It's a nice attention to detail that we both really appreciated, obviously, especially Scott. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, well, I think also from a storytelling standpoint, you know, anytime you have a kind of a countdown going on, 
Like if we don't stop this, that automatically increases tension. Yeah. You know, like if we've got to hurry up, turn this off, or we're going to be in big trouble. And are we going to, are we going to deactivate the bomb in time? Essentially is, is all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's always nice when you can kind of amp up a moment like that. And then how do you wrap your head around writing zero gravity? Um, <laughs> I, I, I noticed, I noticed this one thing that laugh. I've heard before, as far as like reorient, reorienting, which direction is down, down. Um, but like, how do how do you wrap? Cause I've never been able to wrap my head around imagining zero G it's, it was hard. Um, there are, it, I hope that we got any places where I goofed. Um, but it's so, you're so used to thinking about how you do something in gravity that when you think about how to do it outside of gravity that, or without gravity, that it's, it, it, you have to really, you have, it's got, you've got to be aware of it in a way that I'm not usually aware of when I'm writing. Like when I'm writing, my head is down and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm writing out the picture I see in my head, but with gravity, it's such a basic thing, you know, it, it, it was hard. It was, it was not easy. And then, you know, trying to think about, you know, the practicalities of, you know, if you push this or if you pull this, how was that going to act on your body? Um, that was hard. And I, I hope I got it close enough. Um, obviously never having been in zero gravity. Um, <laughs> but you know, I also, that also let me do some fun things with it too. You know, like there's not, you can't stop. So you're going to crash into this body <laughs> that is not your own. And that's going to be something you would not normally do if you had gravity. So there's some certain aspects of it that made it even creepier as far as I was concerned. Um, and of course, then there's a, a fairly, you know, heavy moment where you, you see things that are sort of floating around that you would not normally see. Mm. And I think that added to the creepiness of mm-hmm. it, which is super fun, which is super fun. <laughs> yes, it is. And then uh, finally, I'm always interested in people who write about spaceships. Mm-hmm. Do you know exactly what your spaceships look like inside and out? Is it something that you just kind of go with, uh, you know, as you write it where you need something? H- how do you how do you build your spaceships? That's a really good question. Um, and actually, I held off. I haven't written, I've written sci-fi before, but it's always been Earth-based sci-fi um, because the idea of writing a spaceship sort of intimidated me. Like, how do I know what these things look like and what kind of nooks and crannies you need and, and all this? And um, I know Linnea uh, Sinclair, who I mentioned is my critique partner. Um, she actually has like some kind of program she uses or diagrams it all out. And like, Ooh. she can tell you what's on deck three, you know, room four. I, <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, basically, I just kind of looked at the spaces that I would you know, if I were building this as a movie, what are the sets that I would need? You know, what are the, what are the the pieces that I need to have then went from there? And I knew, you know, certain things like I knew Lina, that that ship had to be small because of what it did. And I also, I, I love the idea of forcing somebody, somebody who's not great with people to be immediately around people all the time mm. because that, you know, triggers tension among the crew. Um, and as far as uh, the Aurora, that is just purely you know, big ship. I basically made it as a cruise ship in space. (laughs) Yes. So, um, and it was really funny because at one point when we were doing edits, my editor said, you know, I know we're trying to get to the atrium because we're trying to find out what happened. And she's like, but I really feel like we need to see more of the ship. Can you add them seeing more things as they go? And so I kind of stopped and thought about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, because you're climbing all these levels you would see things as you went. You might not necessarily, because what I didn't want to get into, even though it would have been fun for me, is hi, we're going to spend a bunch of time on, you know, the Sapphire level exploring all the rooms because the, you're not going to find anything in there. You know what I mean? Like there, yeah. I didn't want to waste a lot of time. So I wanted to kind of find a few key locations. But again, to me, that's looking at it from a set 
standpoint. So I don't know. My brain is I in my it's movies in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that that's great. I'm always well. We both are always fascinated by you know how authors come up with these things, and that's thinking of it like a set is actually really great. Yeah. What is your favorite step of the writing process? Oh my gosh, whatever one I'm not in. <laughs> um, you know, I there I love the beginning of the first draft because that's when you're pumped about an idea and you're super excited. Um, but past the beginning it's a slog because you all at least with me, I'm all I'm aware of is where it's falling short. Um, but to me, I don't go back and edit when I'm writing a first draft. I go all the way to the end as far as I can get and then I go back and try to fix. Um, so mm-hmm. usually generally speaking revising is my is my favorite. Um, because at least then I have a framework to work with. Yeah. So um, really my favorite is when I turn it in, they go, you're done. I'm like, yay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, since you you are a book, a book person and a wordsmith, can you please just give us a few recommendations of some of your favorite books or some great books you've read lately that you think um, our listeners may enjoy? Oh, sure. So I read very widely. So this is, you know, um, I loved Ninth House by <gasps> Lee Bardugo. Oh, That's a great book. Um, I loved Red Widow by Amakatsu, who also obviously mm-hmm. writes amazing horror. But this was that was just a fabulous thr- thriller. I'm not really a spy thriller person because mm-hmm. I never really read those before. Whoa, but that was so good. Um, Shiver by Allie Reynolds, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have the right name there. Um and there's actually a book by Callie Wallace that I really liked. Um, her book is Dead Space, and um, that was the original title of my book. And it was really cool. I loved the world building in that. So, yeah, that's a few of my favorites, recent favorites anyway. All right on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Everybody always got to add to the TBR. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then where can our listeners find you if they want to keep up with what you're doing or even, you know, uh, interact with you on social media if you're active there? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I am on, uh, the best place to reach me is probably, uh, Instagram. I'm on there under my other pen name, which is Stacy Cade. So it's at author Stacy Cade, I think, uh, S T A C E Y K A D E with author in the front of it. Um, I am on Twitter, but I'm mostly there in a checking in on things sort of way. So, uh, and that's, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a little tense over there. Um, at, and that's just at Stacy Cade. Um, but you can, I mean, if you Google that, my pen name, Stacy Cade is the other one that I use. And we decided to kind of keep everything since I had social media going already under that name. Um, cause S.A. Barnes is actually me too, but that's my maiden, my initials are my maiden name. So, Aww. yeah. <laughs> one more quick thing before we say goodbye. What are your dog's names? Uh, so I have, uh, one retired racing greyhound and his name is shutter like the like a window shutter s-h-u-t-t-e-r that was his racing name and then i have um two french pointers which they basically look like like, uh german short-haired pointers only they're theoretically calmer but (laughs) yeah um and their names are wyatt and calla (gasps) those are great great. (laughs) thank you (laughs) and uh they do feature prominently on social media they do they do. I find them super cute. So if you do not like dog pictures, don't follow me because you'll be very disappointed. Dog pictures and coffee mugs. Those are kind of my thing. So <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Stacey, so much for being here. We're so thankful to have you on our show. And thank you for writing this book that um, I think we're going to get to the spoiler section here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
You know who else is badass? S.A. Barnes. Takes one to know one, am I right? She wrote Claire. She's a badass, too. Yes, she is so much fun. She's so awesome. Like, I, we love all our authors. We always say that because, I mean, they're all freaking amazing. We've been so incredibly lucky to talk to some of the coolest, coolest people. But she is definitely like somebody like we would hang out. Like we would hang oh, out. Oh, for sure. If, 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 I mean, Stacy, if you are ever in California, really, that, that invite, you don't have to sleep on our couch if you don't want to. We'll be to. mad at you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but please, like, let's go to dinner. Let's let's go to the movies. Let's see a show. Yeah, we'll, we'll take you to the, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you're interested in the Charles Schultz Museum, but we'll go. Oh, anyway, so yes, welcome to the spoiler section. Um, can't say thank you enough for getting to talk to to S.A. Barnes, to Stacy. But we got to talk about spoilers. We got to talk about it. So I want to start by talking about um, something that I found really interesting in the structure of this book. Huh. Um, we talked in the interview about uh, movies and, and, and inspirations from this, but there's one thing, there's one film series yeah. that really that 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 is really like really this called back to for me go on and it's 2001 and 2010 oh i thought that having the characters find the ship first of all this story is is written um in you know the the the, the timeline isn't isn't clean you yes. know it's taking place in the present and in the past but you know, in 2001, they find the obelisk, they discover it, weird shit happens. 2010, they go back to they go back to the obelisk, they mm-hmm. board the ship and they're trying to figure out what happened. And structuring the book in a way where it combines like those two types of stories into right. one uh, coherent story, right. I thought was masterful. Yes. Um, I was not expecting that kind of a that kind of a tale. Right. And there's times where especially in movies where the person survives something and then it's like, oh no, they've got to go back in. And you're like, okay, this person is traumatized AF. Like yeah. they shouldn't be going back in. They barely escaped the killer. But this actually makes sense on a few different levels, why they would have her go back in. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and one of them is because of, you know, the the greater machinations at play. And then also, um, like, there, yeah, there's just more levels. Here. Like, it makes sense why they would bring her back to, to Ground Zero. And I love that she wanted to go because, like, I was like, Kane is absolutely alive. Oh, So for, I needed her to go back for him. yeah. And, I mean, just the whole thing that, like, she... She was so grappling with like, I left them. I left them. And then I was like, but she, but you didn't. I knew she didn't. Like, I just believed in her so much. And then, you know, she, she really, she made a sacrifice for them. Truly, she did. She, t- she, her getting on the escape on the, um, pod i guess on, on the pod. escape pod yeah her getting her getting off on the escape pod was the risky play yes it's, and and she had every intention of trying to save them mm-hmm. um very smart though very very smart how that all worked out um yeah it was um the the bigger kind of like i said that the machinations the uh the powers that be the the man the government well, it wasn't the government, but you know what I mean? Like trying to- Basically like, was. Yeah. I mean, this is a world where the corporations rule. rule. Let's yeah. be clear. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any of that coming, and I thought that was really cool. I didn't 
either. I mean, it made sense. Oh my God, did she did she hint yeah. at how they would do anything to hide this? Yeah, yeah. And I was and you hear that and you're like, okay. Oh, Okay, okay, but you don't really know. I was not I was not expecting the turn. I was no. not expecting it. I wasn't expecting the turn. I wasn't expecting that, you know, this started with these rivaling companies and the the weapon, which we know things like that weapon are real. That's a real thing. Yeah, uh, uh the um started I can't remember the name of it. Started in Cuba. Yeah. But um like so that's that's real and there's different kind of versions of that and then there's always the fear that that could be amplified up to what it is in this book and this was even an overshot because they were just trying to sabotage it Mm -hmm. they weren't trying to (laughs) make mass murder um and i'm very interested in things like that where people become unhinged and it almost seems supernatural but it's actually not I think that is very, very interesting, real life phenomena and a cool place to set things. But it makes it even better that there is a supernatural element because Claire is actually a medium. Ghosts are real <laughs> in this book. I mean, uh-huh. I, I mean, Claire can see them even before all of this. Do you? Did you always have that in mind that they would be real in addition to kind of what the weapon was doing? Yes, because one of the things that I was curious about is, you know, when you get into sci-fi and it's, it's usually set in the future and there aren't, at least or not, I shouldn't say there aren't any, but there aren't many, in my opinion, stories where we're still dealing with that. Like, you know, when you're, when you have people who see ghosts, it's always contemporary. It's now, or maybe even in the past where you, you know, whatever, but there's not a lot of people set in the future where they see ghosts. And it's like, why not? Did they right. suddenly stop seeing them? <laughs> like, like what, what happened? You know, um, and I, and mainly also because it kind of went with that whole idea of, are we sure that Claire's, you know, got all her marbles? You know, are we sure that she's well, firing on all thrusters to use that <laughs> quote from Star Trek? Um, you know, uh, so I, that was part of it. But I also, I just love ghost stories. I'm a huge fan of ghost stories and I wanted to basically see if I could mush them together. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love that ghosts are real. Me too. Thank you. I and I love the kind of idea that it's hinted at. It's not it's not expressly put out there, but the ability to see and hear and sense them is somehow related to sound. Yes. Uh I mean because Claire could experience ghosts before any of this happened. Right. And you know, it there's kind of like a hint that it might have something to do with the tinnitus in her ear. Yeah. And that's why she had so much more experience and she could actually kind of separate reality. Well, I mean the, the, the living from the dead, right. If you will. Um, and somehow through accident, this weapon, uh, via, uh, amplification through, you know, through the hull of this ship, created others to not just have the paranoia that comes from the sound, not just have the the sense of unease, but also see real ghosts. Right. No, I'm with you on a couple levels on that. One, I do have hearing damage, as a lot of our listeners probably know. Um, so I love that like people with hearing problems are special <laughs> in this world. And like I love that. That 
like warms my heart. And then also as somebody who is a huge, huge fan of ghosts, you guys, I am obsessed with ghosts. I love that it's maybe just a science that we just don't understand yet. Yes. Um, because I'm so down with that idea. I'm so down with that. Um, I, I love that her mom helped her when she was a kid and she she carries a lot of guilt for you know what she did as a kid though it wasn't her fault and a little ghost kid tricked her <laughs> well probably it's just a lonely ghost kid too you know yeah. but um i love that her mom helped her and continues to yeah yeah i think that's really cool she's not like always there but like she she comes through however she can when claire really needs her and i thought that was cool um there was something about the part where the jerk who's the you know he's the family the little trust fund kid reed yeah um that his grandfather is like so there disappointed in him and he's just like there all the time and kind of pacing about and stuff um I don't know. I thought that was really cool and and creepy, but like that's a creepiness you could get used to if you saw ghosts like that. <laughs> I am obsessed. I am obsessed with the imagery of people being blindfolded in horror situations. That is so niche. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. And I recently discovered this. So there's some cool old pictures of some psychic mediums and people playing with talking boards and stuff where their eyes are covered, which is really cool and is creepy. But the root of my obsession is from um, Watcher in the Woods. Oh. The old Disney movie because the girl mm-hmm. when she's blindfolded. So, so that stuck in my head as an image that I am just really obsessed with and I don't get enough of in my life. Um so total watcher in the woods 360 coming back um love that and the girl because she's under the bed and then she's other places too Ooh, she creeps me out that under the bed scene get uh, out and i'm not even that's afraid. what we were i'm pretty sure that's what she was alluding to in our interview and i'm one the of the only people that i am not afraid i always have my feet dangling out of the bed i'm one of the only people that isn't afraid of that but i'm like one of the blindfolded girl is under there i in that that's a really strong example of of what I mean when I say that this is, despite it being science fiction, the horror is very relatable and real. Yes. Um. You know, they're take. I mean, most of the story takes place on what is effectively a haunted cruise ship, and you have a lot of complications with because of the zero gravity at parts. Yes. Um. You know, and and like there there are parts. The isolation is a huge part of yes. that fear. But that isolation, that's not unique to space. No. It's just amplified. And, you know, having spirits show up behind the people you're talking to, not uh, not recognizing what's real and what's not. Not being able to trust your mind. Exactly. Those are all real, genuine, relatable fears. Yeah. That, that um, regardless of being part of a sci-fi setting, are scary. So another part that I really love that I found super haunting. Well, first of all, there's a lot of vignettes and there's a lot of situations that are set up that are um, just just make you feel like, oh, Jesus, did you have to go that hard as a Barnes? You did. And I love you for it. <laughs> but, you know, like the girl with the butcher knife taped to her hand. The oh. fuck is that? That is creepy shit. That yeah. is creepy shit. And her sister, who was hanging in the room. Oh my God, like by her neck. And, like, what, and was cut up post-mortem. 
stop it. And the two guys who had the fight, there's other, there's just like vignettes like that. Okay, yeah. They're just, okay. We, there's uh, people with bites. This is gonna, this is gonna sound weird. (laughs) But Sandra and I both have, um, a, a little bit of a of a of a gleeful clap in films and books with you know beheadings and yeah. you know head explode and yeah. stuff like that Heads. that was a really frightening depiction yeah. of the hole in his head I was like, girl, you did not have to go that hard, but you did. And I'm so glad you did. But I love it when, and and I love that this book didn't even start out as horror, but she is a horror fan. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I kind of, I I almost, I I should have asked her like, Stacey, were you shocked at like how like um, creepy you can be? (laughs) Like, like, you know, you should, were you just like, this was just below the surface uh, as a horror fan and just like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know I could be that gruesome. Um, if I can say, I, I've I've read some horror books where it, it feels like the author is pulling their punches, almost like they're kind of afraid to go there or mm-hmm. afraid of that part of their mind. Yeah, don't. Um, <laughs> I really, I really respect Stacy for being willing to go there go there please go there this is my altar call to authors <laughs> go there because um there's other sickos just like you just like me and even like for people who are horror fans but not obsessive like scott it brings out a little bit of their sickoness a little bit of a, a voyeuristic discomfort but it's in a fun way mm-hmm. it's in a fun way because it doesn't I mean, nobody's actually getting hurt or, you know, anything like that. Um, At the same time, um, you know, you said it yourself. I'm not the horror fanatic. Um, Another reason why earlier on I gave this a mass appeal is because I, I, you know, there this would have worked as a non-science fiction book in in a lot of ways. Um, However, there are certain parts of that terror, of that fear, that I don't know if I would have been quite as on board with or quite as gleeful reading if it wasn't for the sci-fi setting. I think it did a really good job of of making it very relatable and making it very scary while still giving it a really fun edge Mm -hmm. to me. And I thought that was, I think that's ultimately why I love this book so much. I think that's really cool. Um, Another part of this book that I really, really loved is when we know that, um, you know, they're in the dark and they're trying to take the statues. And then you realize there was people float, these corpses floating right there. Like she could have touched it. Like she could have reached out and touched it. And just the, um, there's something really creepy. It conjures up a really clear mental image of people in space it's kind of like people floating underwater of just kind of being suspended there kind of frozen in the moment and what's worse i don't know the answer to this question but what is worse walking into a room and having there be bodies lying across the floor or walking into a room and there be there be bodies frozen and floating like a creepy dance throughout the air. It reminds me of the Haunted Mansion. Yes. In the ballroom. Yes, it does. Yeah, which I love, of course. Of course, then it was a party. These people aren't having a good time. They were, they were at the mansion. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about kind of a sci-fi element um, 
that I really enjoyed about this story. And that was, I don't even know if this is a sci-fi element, but I don't know where else to put it, is the fact that the the Lina kind of saved them. You know what I mean? Like, by yeah. using, like, I have such a soft spot for, you know, it's it's becoming obsolete. They're becoming obsolete. And it just kind of like, it's protected them and it's housed them. And then it kind of like, it gives its all at the end. It, it, you know, it needed, it had one more job to do. It had one more, one more opportunity to protect its crew. And it, it did. It gives me, of course, Becky Chambers vibes in so many ways. Um, yeah. I, in the best, the best ways. So let's talk about the crew for a second, because okay. Okay. Um, I love a crew dynamic. Of course. And I, and this is no different. Yeah. That said... Uh, this did not feel like a family. Feels like coworkers. It feel it felt like coworkers, and that's good. I'm saying that as a compliment. Uh, you know, absolutely. It, it it was like okay, I'm 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 going I'm going off script and no longer the boss with a bunch of my employees, and some of them are not the best. I never came around to Voller. I don't know why she missed I Voller did. so much. I never came around to him. I, I hated him. I hated him for the entire book. Hated him for the entire book. I knew he'd be like the first to betray us. <laughs> <laughs> I hated him. But then at the, in the, the end, when the redhead he was going to meet was his mom, kind of melted my heart a little bit. Okay. And I was kind of like, damn, the end of the day he was just a mama's person who's just a mama's boy and he just missed his mother he still could have been less of an asshole <laughs> oh he was so over the top but there are people that are like that oh yeah no. that like have no reason to be so rude but they are and i wouldn't even i wouldn't i would i wouldn't use the word over the top because i i will not say this person's name but <laughs> there is one coworker that i had in the past yeah that is Voler to a T. Yes. 100%. Yes. I've like, had Volers. I've had them. Um, Mo- Volers and Molers. I've had them. And this person, I'm sorry, is um, is irredeemable in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so that's, this is. It could turn out that he, that, you know, that, that this guy was cured fostering, cured cancer and is fostering 30 foster children. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Nope. I don't care. That's why he was such an asshole. He was so stressed about his 30 foster children. Uh, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, Lourdes is very sweet. She's the young, naive one. Um, nicest. It was nice to have Lourdes because, um, you know, as we talked about, everyone in this story are grown-ass adults. Yeah. Uh, Lourdes it does give a little bit of that use, youthful naivety She's that like was kind of needed. Yes, I agree. And and part of the, the moral compass that we kind of needed, you know, looking at what we're doing here and that she, you know, she's... <sighs> Yeah, it kind of serves as that that kind of a little bit of a true north because she, you know, and she's new to this life. Um, I loved Kane. I loved his dynamic with Claire. I thought it was so res- respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, totally, like I, I, it felt real to me that these people could have an attraction. That was that was, um, you know, it, it it's actually a very traditional kind of uh, relationship romance in in terms of the real world it's a very untraditional relationship when it comes to uh, books books yeah because it's it is really just so real like okay we've worked together for a long time there's an attraction there and 
um, yeah, I'm not going to like, I'm actually not going to get close to you because we work together. Like, and it feels in this case, I'm yeah. your boss. It's not appropriate. There's a power thing there. There's like, there's, there's a whole bunch of complications. But we're coming to the end of this work relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and sometimes things just, it, you just can't hide it anymore and you just have feelings for each other. But again, it felt very respectful and I feel like he respected her boundaries, but he wanted her to know I ferociously care about you. I I don't know. It was just like it was very it was very sweet. It was very adult. It was very respectful. Um, I love Nisus. I love that his name is Dionysus. Hello, that's rad. And I love that he's you know just kind of got like the fastest little keys keyboard in the West over there. And I love that um, Claire kind of has a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, because she does not have the technical education that everybody else on her crew does, but she's the leader. Um, yeah. I, and that felt, that feels real. Well, it, it does feel real. And, and from both sides, having been on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, everyone mm-hmm. has had a manager where you look at them and you go, they, they couldn't do my job. Why are they my, my boss? Right. And, you know, I've also been in the situation where I've been the boss. I'm like, I couldn't do their job, but I I think I know how to get them to be the best at their job. There's a there's a really interesting dynamic that goes into piecing together a team in real world and, and in books. And yeah, I you can just tell Stacy's lived in the world and she mm-hmm. knows. Um, one thing I really loved, of course, is the epilogue to this book, where you know some time has passed things have happened things are in motion um they've taken a little time that they need to figure out what they want and kane and claire want to be together it's so special they're gonna be partners and i love how like nervous she is to like it's a huge to to ask so vulnerable. Him, it's vulnerability yes it's not her strong suit no um I feel like she's kind of, I hope, really come to terms with her psychic ability as well. With like seeing she sees dead people and just being kind of like, I don't know, like she can use that. And, and I hope she's not as creeped out by it anymore. Hope she's living her best life with Kane. I, I think that she is. I think she's, you know, running her little, she's basically flying the Millennium Falcon and doing uh... <laughs> in the Kessel Run. Right. <laughs> Oh, absolutely great book. Um, I would give this. What do we should? What should we rate this out of? Golden faucets. The golden faucet. I'm going to give this book five out of five golden faucets. Um, really, really well done, and I hope that everybody enjoys reading this as much as I enjoyed reading it. And I'm so excited to share it with other people uh, because I really think it's just it's worth the love. I am also giving this five out of five golden faucets. It's masterful. I, 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 I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for it, but I'm particularly a sucker for this book. It's so well done. It's wonderfully scary. It's incredibly fun. The characters are wonderful. Uh, Stacy, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
outstanding. Outstanding. Thank you all for being here and listening to us. And if you made it this far, you better have enjoyed this book. And if for some reason you wanted to hear the spoilers, um, I, I hope you read it and you love it and you come and talk to us about it. And we can all just gush about how much we love this creepy haunted house and space tale that just goes above and beyond and is so satisfying. Scott, thank you. Sandra, thank you. Everyone, please keep reading past your bedtime. Thank <laughs> you.